I'm going to continue talking about renewed by grace. How there are things that God wants renewed and restored into the church. Where God wants to renew and restore certain things into your life, in my life, into our life. So today we're going to talk about that God wants to renew, that's the title, God wants to renew a godly mindset into our life. God wants to restore and renew a godly mindset into the church. God wants to restore and renew a godly mindset into your life. Amen. So we have the responsibility this morning to come before God and say, God, if there's anything in my life that needs to change, the, the way that I see things, the way that I perceive things, my mindset, the things that I have already made up in my mind, if there's things that need to change, then help me change. And now you might be here this morning and you say, okay, if you're talking about mindset, what is mindset really? And if you go into the dictionary and you look what mindset is, the definition of mindset is the established set of attitudes held by someone. And here's the key word that I want to draw your attention to. And that is the established, the established set of attitudes held by someone. So those are the attitudes that not just come by, but those are the ones that you picked up. The mindset, the attitudes that you took into your heart and into your mind and you let it take root in your heart. You let it take root in your mind. That is your mindset. And we all have a certain mindset. And that is very individualistic to the uh, situations that you were brought up. Your childhood, your parents your family members, what they spoke into your life, how you were brought up has a lot to do with our mindset. But the good news is we are no, let me say, victim to our upbringing if it was not good. Because now we are at the point where we are old enough and say, you know what, God, with your help, I can change my mindset. I can change my mind. I can change my attitude. Maybe that was something that was taught to me when I was young and small, and I took it as this is the truth. This is what it's supposed to be like. But now I am old enough to actually test it against the word of God and see if that is a good mindset to have, a good attitude to have, or if it needs to change. Because the reality is, sometimes we need to change. Now a scripture that is on my heart for a couple of weeks already, is found in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. And that is the main scripture that I want to take for today. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. And there it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used on his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. But the, the main thing that I'm sure you picked up is where it says right in verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
we have to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. But you might say, but pastor, it talks about relationship. It says right there, in your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. And that is absolutely true. But if you have walked with God long enough, if you have followed Jesus long enough, you know that you want to follow his example. Not only in relationship, not only in portions or parts of your life, you will want to follow him wholeheartedly. You will want to follow him and surrender your complete life to him. Every aspect of it, relationships, how you treat people, how you respond to people, how you act in certain situations, you will want to surrender your life completely to God. That's why Peter, in 1 Peter 2 verse 21, he says and gives us an account of how we as Christians should live our Christian life in an ungodly society, in an ungodly time. 1 Peter 2, 21 and 20, until 23 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus left us an example that we can follow. Come on. That's why we say Jesus is our ultimate example for our life. How Jesus was, he is the God in person. How he responded, how he reacted to situation. That is how I want to react and respond to him. So we have to cultivate a mindset that is like Christ's mindset. Amen? So we have to change. Now I was thinking, how could I demonstrate that one a little bit more practical? We are talking about mindset. And the thing is, like I said earlier, very often we are a product, not only what our character was as we were born, but of our upbringing. And the thing is, we can take thoughts, opinions, and other people's words, we can take them into our heart, into our mind, or we can reject them. Now, like I said earlier, if you're a child, it is a lot harder. What people tell very often is accepted as, that's the truth. That is the matter of fact. Now that we are older, we can evaluate. We can really test it against the word of God. But so let's just say, you are building your mindset in God's word, on the truth of God's word. So you come and you say, you know what? God loves me with an everlasting love. That is a thought, that is a truth from the word of God that you take into your mind, into your heart, and you let it take root. Then you also say, okay, by his stripes, I am healed. So I don't have to accept the sickness that I'm going through. I can pray and ask God for healing because by his stripes, I am healed. Then you come and say, you know what? God so loved the world. God is a God of love. He loves me no matter what. So God is a God of love. And you build your mindset on the truth of God. You come to God or you, in your life you say, you know what? God is my provision. He is my provider. He will provide my every need according to his riches. And you are building your mindset on the truth, on the word of God. You come and you say, you know what? God, you are the one who justifies me. I am not perfect. 
I am flawed, but because of what you have done at the cross for me, I am a child of God. You're building your mindset, you're building your life on the word of God. You come to God and say, God, the plans that you have for me are good plans, plans to prosper me, plans to give me a hope and a future, not to harm me. And you're building your mindset on the truth, on the word of God. See, now once we have a mindset like that, the mindset that we build, now this is not very impressive. Imagine a big, like a whole wall. If you build a mindset on the truth, on the word of God, it becomes a place of refuge. It becomes a place of peace. That when the enemy comes and wants to attack you like, oh, you're useless. No, 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 no. I am a child of God. When the enemy tries to say, you're up, you will never amount to much. No, 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 no. God is the one who is strong in me. It becomes a place of refuge. It becomes a place of peace. It becomes a place where you can find refuge in God, in his presence, in his goodness. And you know that God is with you and that no matter what is coming against you cannot stand because you are a child of God. But now only imagine, you don't have a mindset like that. Only imagine you accept, but people say you are useless or you will never amount to much. Or you know what, you are hopeless. You know what, you are a useless fella. And you are accepting all these negative things. You know what, you, God can never use you in that way. Now all of a sudden, instead of having a place of refuge, it becomes a prison. It becomes a prison of unforgiveness. It becomes a prison of negativity. It becomes a prison of depression. It becomes a prison what is holding you back of experiencing God in his fullness. This is our mindset. Now realistically, I know we don't have a mindset like this and we don't have a mindset what I talked about a little bit earlier. We have a mixture of both of them. Some are good, some is not so good. Some is the truth of God, some are the lies of the enemy that he spoke into our life and we have believed it and have taken, letting it take root in our hearts. And that is our responsibility this morning. That we say, if there is something that is not right, God, I build my mindset. I have to unbuild it, take the lie of the enemy and replace it with the truth of God and built it up again in light of the truth of the word of God. We build our mindset. What does the definition say? It's a set of attitude held by someone. So it is something, an attitude that we let into our heart. We believed it. We let it take root in us. And now it's an attitude that is set already. So if we want to change our mindset, we have to, with the Holy Spirit, with his help, have to unbuild what is not right and replace the lie with the truth of his word. And today I'm going to talk about a few of the lies that is very deceptive and that is sometimes quite tricky that many of us believe the lie of the enemy. And the first one, what is a lie that we often believe, number one is that my relationships are meant to make me happy. All my relationships are meant to make me happy. 
And that is a picture portrayed by Hollywood movies all the time. You see a couple, oh, they're miserable. They are not happy. Or oh, the wife is so mean against the husband and he is having a terrible time, but he's just hanging in there, very unhappy. Then he meets somebody else. But because you know, oh, the wife is so mean. The wife is mistreating him. The wife is cursing him out and they are so unhappy. You kind of feel justified that they break up and that the main character gets together with somebody else. Because you think, and that is the picture portrayed, or if they're not happy, then it was not meant to be. Or because they're having a difficult time, it is only good for them that they're split up and find someone who makes them happy. Right? That is what Hollywood often portrays. And the lie of the enemy that is creeping into our minds is that all our relationships are meant to make us happy. Here's a newsflash. Not all the relationships that you have in your life are meant to make you happy. I hope, I trust, I believe that your spouse makes you happy because that is so important. If not, you come and we pray for you. But the thing is, not all the relationships that you have are meant to make you happy. And we understand that when it comes to the relationship that we have with our boss, right? If you go to work, you don't uh, make it a priority or a requirement that, oh, if my boss doesn't make me happy, I will look for some other job. No, it is more of a business relationship. You would not expect that, uh, that relationship to make you happy. It is probably based on respect, on mutual interest, but that's about it. But I want to uh, put it close to our heart that not all the relationship that we have are meant to make us happy. Some relationships are there to even help us grow as a person. Because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So another person sharpens another person. So it's not always meant to make us happy. And there's one thought that I had this week when I was driving in the car, and it really wrecked me inside. Oh my goodness, I started crying before God. I was driving in my car, and I was thinking about the Last Supper in the upper room, where Jesus was with his disciples broke the bread, gave them the cup to drink, telling them, I'm going to go up on the cross. And then he says, you know what? There is one of you who will betray me. And they all were like, what? Somebody will betray you? And they were looking around and they had no clue who the one was who would betray Jesus. That means Jesus loved Judas so well that the other disciples did not even know that Judas was the one who would betray Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. He knew what was about to happen, but he treated him with so much love and respect. And just like all the other disciples said, they had no clue who the one would be who would betray Jesus. And I was thinking to myself, if I would know that a person would talk badly about me, if I would know if a person would stab me in the back, if I would know that a person would say something or do something or hurt me or leave me or whatever, would I be able to love that person just like other people? Or would I say, mm, they're going to betray me anyway, so I'm just going to kick them to the side. Jesus, knowing what Judas would do, loved him and showed everybody else that he loved him just like everybody else. They had no idea. Are we willing to say, God, even though 
this relationship doesn't make me happy, am I willing to give it my all? Am I willing to step out of my comfort to improve the relationship? Even if I don't think the person deserves it, am I still willing and able to love that person with the love of God? That they wouldn't even know what is really going on inside of me. Because that is what Jesus really did. He loved Judas regardless. So not all the relationships are meant to make us happy, but there are relationships that we have to endure and we are called to try to improve. And the good news is, is that Jesus is there to help us. Amen? That we don't have to produce it out of ourselves, but God is there through the Holy Spirit to help us get in those relationships and make them really count. Another lie that we often believe is that I am hopelessly flawed and I am unworthy. I am hopelessly flawed and I am unworthy. See, the thing is, very often, that kind of lie can creep in because we did make mistakes. Because we did do something that was not right. And then we realize and we come before God and say, God, forgive me. And then maybe a few weeks later, we, we come into the same situation again and we do it again. And then all of a sudden we say, oh my goodness, I'm still struggling with it. And then next week you fall into the same thing again. And before you know it, the enemy can come in and say, you know what? You're hopeless. You are unworthy. You are so flawed, God cannot use you anymore. And because it really happened, it might have happened last week, it might have happened this morning, it might have happened 10 years ago. But because it did happen... And you realize that you made a mistake. Now the enemy wants to come and tell you, you know what? You will always struggle with it. You will always be flawed. You will always, always be unworthy. But I got a news flash for you this morning. You are worthy. You are loved by God with an everlasting love. But I have another news flash for you. We are all flawed. We are all not perfect. You say, oh, pastor, you are perfect, right? No, even me. Even I am not perfect. Give you an example. Just this morning. This morning, I went for my morning run. It just helps me get into the mind, get, you know, get the blood flowing, get me ready for Sunday morning. So I went for my morning run. I come back from my run, huffing and puffing, focusing, concentrating not to die on the spot. Coming back to my car, and there is a car park empty. There's my car, then there's an empty spot, and there's one more car next to that one. So there's my car, empty spot, one more car. The rest of the car park is empty. No cars. I'm coming back, coming to my car. I'm standing in front of my car. Another car pulls up and squeezes in right where my car is, and the other car next to that one. He has to squeeze in right there where I am walking, trying to get in my car. He has to squeeze himself into that one spot. The rest of the parking lot, empty. And you know what I was thinking? What lot is stupid fella? <laughs> empty car park. Car park as far as you can see. 
hundreds, now it's a bit exaggerated, but so many car parks, he has to squeeze right where I want to go in. And now I cannot go in because his wife has to come out of his car. So we are like standing, don't know what to do. And I was thinking, oh, you are stupid. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I realized and I got surprised and shocked at the attitude, the bad attitude that I had. I was thinking, oh my goodness, it is Sunday morning. I'm going to go to church. It is a Sunday morning. I'm going to preach and I have a bad attitude right here. It's like, oh God, help me. I need change. We are all flawed. We are all not perfect. Some things we can laugh about, some things we keep hidden. Nobody knows. But reality is, we are all flawed. The good news is, God already knows. That's why Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all flawed. We all have sinned. And it says here, all have sinned. So maybe we are not sinning anymore or not sinning right now, but we still fall short of the glory of God. So no matter where we are in our life, we all are flawed. We all fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is God doesn't require perfection. That's why the Bible calls David, King David, a man after his own heart. Was David perfect? By no means. He made mistakes. He committed adultery. He made sure that the husband would die. He was not perfect, but his heart was willing to come closer to God. See, when God confronted him through the prophet, he did not say, oh God, don't take my kingdom away from me. Oh God, don't take my power away from me. Oh God, don't take away the, the wealth that my kingdom brings me. He said, God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. See, his heart was after God. A flawed human being, but his heart was after God. And that is hopefully the situation in our life. We know we are all flawed, but how does our heart look? Are we pursuing God? Because that is what he requires. He doesn't require perfection, but he requires a heart that is going after him. I believe in the leadership training, Pastor David was saying the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is Jesus died for us. He is our sacrifice. He is the blameless, pure, perfect sacrifice for us. So we can be accepted before God. We are justified, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus did. Justification. But sanctification is a process. Where now the Holy Spirit has to come in and show us, oh, this needs to change. Oh, this one is not right yet. Oh, this one you also still need to change. Sanctification. God doesn't require perfection, but he requires a willing heart. A heart that is hungry after him. So we can come to God and say, God, help me. Help me be that kind of person. First Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. 
People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God is interested what is going on inside of our heart. Do we have a tender heart towards God? If we say, maybe not so, not lately, we can always come before God and say, God, help me. Give me a soft heart again, a heart that pursues you, a heart that is hungry for you, a heart that wants more of the presence of God. And I believe God will do that. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, talks about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus watching how people came into the temple, and then a tax collector came, and also a Pharisee. The Pharisee went up and he prayed, Oh God, I'm so grateful that I'm not a sinner like they are. Then the tax collector came. Said, God, let's just read here. But a tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this is Jesus talking now. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One came with a humble attitude. Say, God, I don't even deserve to be here. God, I don't deserve your presence. God, I don't deserve you calling me your child, but here I am. Can you accept me, please? Wash me, cleanse me. Let me be in your presence. Let me be filled with your Holy Spirit. God looks at that kind of person, that kind of heart, and says, that is what I am after. That is what I want. Not as a proud heart, but a humble heart. So you are worthy. You are worthy simply because of what Jesus has done at the cross for you. God incarnate, son of heaven, prince of heaven, he came, he died at the cross for you. That is how much you are worth. That is how much God was willing to pay for you. So you are, yes, you are flawed, but you are worthy regardless. Yes, we have our shortcomings, but nevertheless, God loves us and he counts us worthy. Amen. Another lie that we often believe is that I am powerless and I have no control over my life. I am powerless and I have no control over my life. And I'm here this morning and I don't want to make light of your situation. We are real people with real lives and real problems. And when we are in this situation, the problems that we might face might seem overwhelming. And to us it's like, how could I ever come out of this? I am powerless. I cannot do anything here. God, what am I supposed to do? I tried literally everything that I could think of and I'm still in the same situation. It must be hopeless. I am powerless. But what does the Bible say? Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through what? My own strength? No, through Christ who gives me strength. So it is not us who has to be powerful. We can be powerless. We can be uh, shortcoming, but we can accept God to rise up within us. And He can give us strength. He can help us. He can come alongside us 
and give us the power that we need. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For the Spirit of God gave us not a spirit that makes us timid, but he gave us power, love, and self-discipline. God gives us a spirit that gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So it is again not me. It is not me who is full of love, who is strong and powerful and is self-disciplined, but it is God, the Spirit of God, who wants to give me love, power, and self-discipline. So I can say, God, I don't have what it takes, but help me. Where I came to believe that I cannot do anything, that is not true. Because once I come before you and you enable me, you will work with me. You will help me change the situation that I am struggling with. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. What? According to his power that is at work within us. According to his power. His power that is at work within us. So it is His power that is working within us. And it's not His power that will be working in us. His power that one day, if you really deserve it, will work in you. Or His power, if you really do what God wants you to do for how many years, then it will work within you. No, it is His power that is, present tense, right now, working in us. So we are not powerless. Maybe we feel like we have no control over the situation that we are going through. And you cannot bring an immediate change to those situations, but you're not powerless. Because His work, His power is working within you. So we can come before God and say, God, give me what I need to change the situation. And give me the patience that I need to endure the time that I have to walk through this time, through this season, so that I can break the thing that I'm struggling with. And I believe God is right there. God will help us. So don't believe the lies of the enemy where we have taken that attitude and say, you know what, I am powerless, or maybe I am unworthy, maybe God cannot use me, or maybe this relationship is just over and done with. God wants us to rise up within Him. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit and enable us to do what He asked us to do, to accomplish anything that He has set before us. I've said it before, maybe not today, but if God called you for something, he will give you the power to achieve it. So if he called us to a godly mindset, he will give us the power to achieve it. But it requires our work, our dedication, our discipline, us working hand in hand with the Holy Spirit to help, let him help us change the way that we think, change the way that we perceive and see the world and replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word so that we in any given situation can really see what God wants to do in our life. And I know that he is right there. He is just one prayer away. As the praise team come this morning, we can go 
and stand to our feet. We're going to respond to God.